We're just looking for the Lord's blessings. I don't have any prayer cards up here. Uh, I'm not sure if they just didn't make it back to me, but let's keep praying for those in our church uh, that have lost loved ones. We've been lifting them up and so many others. I will say that I praise the Lord that this morning, uh, I don't have the final exact yet, but I do know that it was over $7,000 that we collected this morning for the Dewey family. So I know that will be a blessing to them. I know that it will help them, and we thank the Lord for that. So uh, we're just going to open up uh, in a word of prayer this evening, asking the Lord to help us. And it's Youth Sunday night, so AJ and Zoe are going to open us up with two songs this evening. But Brian, would you stand up right where you are and open us up in a word of prayer? Zoe. Children tell their children 
And uh, the first song that came to my mind was one that's been on my heart for a few weeks, actually. And uh, I love the line in the first verse. It says, the constant in my chaos is that you will never change. And I like that uh, we, have a, we serve a God that uh, even when our lives change constantly, that uh, he never does and that he's faithful no matter what we are going through. Apart. 
Cause you're the God who writes my stories And looking back you'll find You're doing something perfect In my best and worst of times In the mountains where my joy is Rising like the sun In the valleys where there's silence And my dreams come undone You're still God, you'll lead me on through victories and despair, it doesn't matter where you take me, I will worship you there, I will worship you there, you are good, good, when I'm whole and when I break, you are good. Good and the blessing and the pain, you are good. Good when you give and take away, you are good always. By the rivers where I'm resting, as healing waters flow in the desert where I'm dying, as I feel so alone. You're still God, you lead me on Through victories and despair Doesn't matter where you take me I will worship you there I will worship you there I'm going to get our ushers to come forward, our young ushers. Come on up. I'm going to give you the announcements real quick. Don't forget, Tuesday night, Youth Group Discovery Club, 630 to 8.30. Dollar Dog Night tonight, right after the service. Children's Christmas Play Practice, November 4th. Make sure, 9.15 to 11.30. Young Adults Bible Study, Saturday, November 4th. WMU Thanksgiving Banquet, Saturday, November 11th, 5.30. Don't forget all of that great stuff. Make sure that you get that. Also, they're going to be doing a cornhole league on Thursday nights. You can see TJ and Kelly. I even think maybe some folks from State Line might be joining in on that. And so uh, just have some fellowship with uh, folks over there as well. So we're looking forward to that. Make sure you get a bulletin. Lots of stuff going on. Busy time of year. And uh, we're excited about all of that. Well, let's ask the Lord to bless. Remember, this offering is for the WMU. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, just for the opportunity to worship. Dear Lord, we're thankful for the song that we already heard tonight. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Truly, it's without a doubt that we say that. And dear God, the way we live our life is in response to that amazing truth. His care for us, his love for us, it owes a, a response of our life back to him. Dear God, help us to live that way that would honor, glorify God and lift up his son, Jesus Christ. Pray that you'd use this offering. We're thankful for the WMU. Their ministry has uh, such depth in our church, and we appreciate it. And we pray, dear God, that you would keep using them in so many different ways. Uh, thank you again for your blessing on us and for this offering this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's 363. 363, everybody stand.
All right, choir, come on up on this last verse. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live my faith and do his blessed will. Oh, oh, the fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With this manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory.
with healing in his hands. I turn to you, put everything behind me, and found the God who makes all things new. I look to you, drowning in my questions, and found the God who holds always I trusted you and stepped out on the oceans. You caught my hand among the waves. You're the God of all my days. Each step I take, you make a way. I will give you all my praise. My You're the reason. 
hands with somebody as the choir comes down. Perry's no stranger around here. Amen. I don't know if I need to introduce him, but I will. From terrorizing Sunday school classes to everything else, he's made his way all the way through this church. But there's a couple of things about that. We joke and we laugh. But we're thankful. I'm thankful that we retain young people. I'm thankful that God allows our young people to go out of this place and serve in other places. Me and Andrea were FaceTiming with David today, and he's preaching in Oregon tonight. Amen. That's a, that's a long way away. You know what I mean? Oregon. And uh, the Lord's using them there. And uh, we're just thankful for uh, our young people. And now Robbie's getting pretty old now with all these kids, and, uh, and they're, uh, you know, putting him through the ringer and all that stuff too. But the Lord has been using him. And he's been preaching out more. He's been preaching uh, some revivals and getting uh, starts like that. And uh, I'm just praying the Lord will keep using him. And so you pray for him tonight as he comes and opens up the word of God and preaches to us. Amen. Mark chapter 5, if you have your Bibles this evening, please turn to Mark chapter 5. I have uh, noticed a common theme for the day that... We're getting a little bit of insight into how Mike Moore operates from what Bella was saying about and Daryl talking about it, AJ talking about it. If you don't know Mike Moore very well, you'll understand very quickly that he literally runs one day at a time. (laughs) One day at a time. I have gotten to the point now that anytime I see my phone ringing and it's Mike Moore, which has happened very frequently lately, that I better have a sermon ready because he's either forgot about somewhere he was supposed to be or he's double booked himself because he forgot about the other one. Um, and he, I, Mike's very good at, at twisting it because he's always just, he's already told the other church that I'm going to come. So he's like, they're really excited about having you. Can you be there? It's fantastic. But no, I have, I have appreciated every opportunity. It is not lost on me um, about how serious this is and how important delivering the word of God is. And it, uh, I could definitely get sidetracked all evening if we started talking about how good God has been to me and how he has saw me through some things, things that I didn't even know were in front of me, but I'm glad I serve a God that sees what we don't in those situations. Uh, In Mark chapter 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 21, and I'm going to read through the rest of the chapter. We're going to see what the Lord has for us this evening. I know what I'm up against. I know that it is is dollar dog night. 
But the biggest thing that I understand that I'm up against, especially being from Nottingham, having services like we had this morning is not something that is, it's fantastic, but it's not something that's new at Nottingham. We have those services, and it's something that I know that a lot of us can take for granted very quickly. But what I know happens when you have a service like that, speaking from experience, is you cry yourself out, you shout yourself out, you go home, you don't get the nap you wanted, or the kids don't let you nap at all, and then you come back and you have the come down, right? You're here because you just don't want to feel convicted when you go to sleep tonight. But I have news for you, and it took me a lot longer than I would hope to learn this in my life, that the same God that we served and worshiped and gave him all the glory this morning is the same God that's here meeting with us tonight. It is simply our response. And this is what the sermon is going to have a lot to do with. So my prayer is not only that God would use me this evening for the little bit of time that I had. You're all really lucky because I know what Mike said this morning, but I am so excited to preach. When those testimonies started to be given, I was about to grab that microphone and give a 40-minute testimony with some scripture, and it was going to happen whether Mike said so or not. So you're real lucky. I held back, but I'm excited to preach the Word of God. And I know that there is a reason and there is someone, at least someone here, that needs it. In verse 21 it says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt it in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about into the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and say thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as, soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he come into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and see the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with them and entered in, entereth in where the damsel was lying. 
And he took the damsel by the hand and said to her, Talatakume, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and command that something should be given her to eat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the service that you gave us this morning. We thank you for your never-ending presence that's with us, God. We thank you for a receptive church that allows the Holy Spirit to move. But God, we pray tonight that with everything still going on in the hustle and bustle of life, that we would still give you some time and open your word and we would glorify you in that. I pray, Lord, that you would use me as a vessel in spite of my flesh for you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing that I thought about on the way here, something that is not really part of the sermon, but it's something that when I was reading through and I had some time, because I, I, I don't know if anybody, I don't have social media. My wife let me down and didn't tell me. I was here for choir practice. Nobody else was here for choir practice. I didn't hear it from Daryl. I didn't hear it on social media. So I was here. But the Lord had meant for me to be here a little bit early so that way I could go over some final notes. But if you read a few verses up and you look in verse 17, and again, this has nothing to do, this is bonus scripture, y'all. So it says, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. So the reason that stuck out to me is he had just left another part of the country and went across the water to another portion. And on this side of the lake, on this side of the sea, they wanted nothing to do with him. That was the story of where he took the maniac and he took the demons and he put them into the herd of pigs and they all fled. And, they, and those people were like, get out of here. But what I noticed is when we start in verse 21, we have what verse 17, but he goes into this other portion and he has the people that were much people gathered unto him when he got onto the other side of the sea. The thing that sticks out to me here is very simple. Just like we saw this morning, there are going to be people that come into this church house this evening who can put on and have a face and have a smile and say whatever they want to say, but there are going to be people that reject what the Holy Spirit is calling upon them to do and don't want anything to do with them, and there's going to be people that accept it. And that's the best way to start this sermon, even though it has nothing really to do with the heart of what I want to get at. But I do challenge us this evening, like we've already talked about, after coming from a great service this morning and what we have planned for this evening, are we coming into the church house with the right perspective? Are we still ready to worship and give God everything? And not only that, not only go, be, go beyond worshiping and actually listen to the call of the Holy Spirit, and what he is pulling us to do, or we, are we going to leave here wanting him to depart and want nothing to do with him? But what I want to concentrate on here, and we start off right in verse 21 through 24, when Jesus was passed over again by unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh to the sea. And here in this passage, we meet a man named Jairus. And that is who I want to try to concentrate on this evening. Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue which means he's not necessarily a rabbi, but he helps take care of things. As a ruler of the synagogue, which is one of many, he is there to take care of worship. He is there to make sure everything, all the, all the money is in, to make sure all the stuff is ready for the worship services. He is pretty high up when it comes to this kind of stuff. And in this community, he is well-respected. But at the end of the day, he is a Jew. And he's very high up on the Jewish ladder. 
But something that sticks out to me is what he is going through here is something that he comes to the Lord and he cometh unto the rulers of the God, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, Jairus fell at his feet. He fell at the feet of Jesus and he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him and much people followed him and thronged him. In this passage, when we're meeting Jairus, the biggest thing that sticks out to me, and it's something that you're going to have to fight tonight, and I don't know who I'm exactly preaching to. I've learned a long time ago. I know pretty much everybody in this building, but I learned a long time ago that faces and what you let me see is not always the truth, and most of the time it's not the truth. Somebody is carrying something in here or is fighting with something. They've been struggling with something, whether it be the conviction of the Holy Spirit about salvation and coming to to him with repentance, or maybe it's just he's calling you to do something. But the biggest thing that we have to learn from Jarius here is understanding who Jarius was in this community, first and foremost, being a ruler of the synagogue, somebody that was looked highly upon. And he was willing to cast all of that away and fall at the feet of Jesus in front of everyone. Why? Because he was in desperation mode. He was desperate. There are people this evening who are walking in here, and again, I don't know what exactly you've been fighting with this week or the last couple weeks or whatever it may be, but I'm sure of it that there is somebody coming in here this evening that is in desperation mode no matter what your face says. Your soul is crying out in desperation mode. And the biggest thing, one of the biggest factors that we have to get over, and this is something not just for the youth being you Sunday, this is something for everyone. Something that we have to get over and get used to is letting people down that are around us. Meaning that Jarius was willing to not care about their perspective. He knew what all the Pharisees were going to say. He knew what all the people were going to say around him. They're like, this is Jarius. This is the person that's really involved in our services. This is somebody that we look at as the great Jew. He is doing the ultimate disgrace here, going to this man named Jesus that all of us have been talking about behind his back and talking about how terrible he is. And here he is. Jarius is running and going to Jesus' feet and bowing before him in desperation mode. Sometimes in life, and I will venture to say and take the liberty to say there's going to be a lot of times in life and this isn't just for the youth this is for everybody in here but listen up there are going to be times where you're going to have to do something especially when christ grips your heart that the friends you surrounded yourself before and the people you surrounded yourself with in the past are not going to like it anymore and he had to come to grips with that that was something i don't know if we can grasp Jarius' situation here But I hope we can for a little bit here and understand that this man had a little girl that was the apple of his eye that was literally on her deathbed. And he he had probably turned to everything. He talked to every rabbi. He had tried probably every physician known to man before he would actually come to this point. Because the two things that he had to get over was number one, getting over the perspective of how everybody was going to view him. And everybody was going to take it when he went this way. And when you actually start following the line that Christ has for you and wants you to do, you will notice the people around you are either going to follow along or they are going to leave you. They are going to turn their back on you. And it's going to be hard because they're good friends. They might be family members. They might be somebody that's really close to you and you don't want to lose that relationship. But it really comes down to what do we want more? Do we want a relationship? Do we want 
Christ or do we want the world? Do we want Christ or do we want to be accepted by our family and friends? Now, I hope and pray that everybody has a similar situation like mine to where when I make that, cha- make that choice and I follow Christ, that all my family and friends are usually around me and with me. But a lot of my family, a lot of my family will reject what I'm saying right there this evening. Now, they're obviously not here, and that's why. But anytime I talk about it or anytime you bring up Jesus Christ around you know, the reunion time or the dinners or whatever it may be, they're going to tune it out pretty quickly because they don't want to hear it. They're going to reject it. But sometimes we have to get over what people think about us and the perspective. Here's something else that we need to think about. We're talking about the people that were going to lash out at Jairus. He was a Jew, and we're talking about the Pharisees here. So here, I'm not going to dig too deep into this one because I don't want to step on too many toes, but those were religious folk that were going to look down upon Jairus. And I'd venture to say, sometimes you are going to offend some religious folk by what God is calling you to do. And I'm not going to go too far into it, but I'm talking about simply the fact that if God is calling you to do something and you are walking a line that is in tune with him, sometimes your views on non-doctrinal things, and it's something that Mike has talked about, the pastor has talked about, everybody has preached this already, so I'm not going to get too far into it. But if God is calling you to do something, we cannot let ourselves be discouraged by someone that's not walking close to Christ, but they're professing to be Christian and they don't agree with what you're doing. And I'm not talking about you going bar hopping, and I'm not talking about you going, you know what I'm talking about, right? If God is calling you to do something, and they're over here, and they're feeling convicted because they don't want to do anything, and they're going to lash out at whatever your idea is, and lash out at whatever you want to do, sometimes we've got to push through that because we know the Holy Spirit's call is more important than the perspective of other people, even religious folk. The next thing he had to get over, which is the biggest thing, is his ego, his pride. He cast that down the second he knelt at Jesus' feet. He probably went through it over and over in his head. And again, the scripture doesn't tell us his mindset. But we have to imagine and put ourselves in his shoes exactly where he was. And I can't even put myself in his shoes for more than three minutes until I start getting really upset. Thinking about my daughter laying on her deathbed and how desperate of a situation that would be. And, I'm not, and I've tried everything, and the physicians tell me nothing. And everybody that's tried, and the rabbis aren't giving me anything but encouragement and just saying, this is the way, this is the, what's the will of God, this is supposed to happen. But man, I keep hearing about this man named Jesus. I keep hearing about this man named Jesus, and the Pharisees tell me that he is a man of the devil, and they're telling me that he's doing all this stuff, and it has nothing to do with God, and he is a blasphemer, and he is completely fake, but man, I keep hearing about these miracles, and I keep coming across people, and I keep hearing about it on the other side of the sea, and it's just embedded in his head, and he had to get to the point where not only was he not worried about the perspective of the other people like we talked about, but he's going to have to listen. God, I don't know the way. I don't know where I'm going to turn. All I know is I have nowhere else to go but you. And I'm willing to cast it all away, not only my family and my friends and the people that are going to abandon me by doing this, but I'm willing to break down my walls that I had built up and thinking I was so great and I have this great reputation. I don't care about none of it. I know that I need you right now in this moment. So let's keep on reading. In 25 through 34, 
I'm not going to necessarily read all of this. We know this story very well. And trust me, as a preacher and any preacher in here can relate, it is very hard to preach about the woman and the garment and not preach on it, but we're not going to talk about that. We're looking at it Jairus' perspective. So through 25 and 34, we all know the story very well. This woman comes. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. She was in the crowd. She reaches out and touches the garment of Jesus. He touched his clothes. And all of a sudden, I want to pick it up in verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitudes thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Like I said, we are not going to preach on the woman that touched the garment. But what the reason I wanted to read some of those verses is this is an event. This is something that's happening and taking time away. And like we already know through the first verses that we read, that Jesus was on his way to help Jairus. And this happens. And the reason I want to concentrate on it is because what Scripture doesn't tell us, but we're going to take a little bit of liberty tonight and look into it a little bit, is I'm trying to fathom what is Jarius thinking during this moment. What is going through his head? He has two options in this situation. He can have this event. Jesus, it, Jesus could have kept on rolling. She could have still got her healing. And he got to Jarius a lot faster. But Jesus stops, makes an effort, spend some time with this damsel that had the issue of blood and Jarius the whole time. So he heals this lady and Jarius has one option, which is standing over here and just getting filled up with faith and seeing a miracle right in front of his eyes. And he can just praise and worship and say, thank you, God. But I have a feeling and we can probably stretch our imagination a little bit to know that's probably not his first mindset during this moment. Because if we think about our flesh, I think about the situation and putting ourselves in that situation. And all of a sudden, I finally got this Jesus that I've heard about so long. I finally was able to cast away my, my kingdom and throw down my walls and throw down my pride. And I'm willing to lose everybody. And I finally knelt at his feet and I'm giving it all to him because I need him in this situation to make it right. And we're on our way, man. We are on our way and we get halted by this lady who just comes in and grabs a garment and just ruins everything. I can see myself just sitting there. Jesus, let's go. Come on. What are we doing? You can give me all those lovely faces that you wouldn't respond the same way, but man, I have seen it. You come into this church house. It could be something as stupid as just, listen, I've seen it a million times. Somebody has walked in. They're smiling. Oh, how, how are you? Oh, you're nice to see you again. And they beeline and look at their assigned seat. And they see that a visitor is sitting in their assigned seat. The cardinal sin. And I have seen it. These people have literally just frozen in time. It's like their brain short circuits. And it's, they go from smiling to just... And there's plenty of places to sit. But they are literally dumbfounded by the fact that someone was sitting in their assigned seat. So they finally find some place over here on the left side where they're less Christian, and they come sit, and man, that entire service, because they have to sit in a different seat, their mood is just down the drain. 
I've seen it a million times. Man, it's hilarious to look at. But listen, y'all, let's be real with one another. Jarius is going through something that we can only hope and pray that we never have to face a tragedy like this and face a circumstance like this. And there are people coming through these church doors every Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, and they are fighting a lot more things that are much more serious than somebody sitting in your assigned seat. And they are, they are just coming in, and they are punching the time clock. They are sitting in their seat uh, up in the choir. If you were in the choir this morning, think about how amazing that service was. Let me tell you something. There were some people that didn't even bat an eye, didn't, didn't smile, didn't cry, didn't raise their hand, didn't praise the Lord. And I know that, hey, Different strokes for different folks. I get it. Everybody responds differently, but come on, man. You know how amazing that service was, and they got nothing. There are people. How are we going to respond when God, or how are we responding this evening? Are we ready for this stupid ginger to be done so we can go get hot dogs? Or are we actually coming in and wanting to address what the Holy Spirit is calling on us to do? Are we actually coming in and going to respond the way that we're supposed to? Are we going to let what we carried in this evening affect the way that we worship, the way that we pray? The other thing that it's really going to affect is you can be part of a service and God is getting with somebody over here and you can rejoice with them, but we choose to be stuck stuck in the sin or stuck in the pride or stuck in the burden or the trial or whatever that we're going through and let it completely kill our spirit. And I have news for you. We are considered a church body all in one. If that starts getting contagious and people start bringing their burdens and their trials in and it's going to affect how they worship and how they view God, it's going to start affecting the Holy Spirit overall in this place. And it's going to start. That's why I love Nottingham. And you have it at other churches, yes. But man, I was born and raised in this church. And I am so thankful that the overwhelming majority of people far outweigh the people that just want to come in and be grumpy all the time versus the people that want to come in and get with it and actually let the Holy Spirit move. And if he wants them to raise their hand, they're going to raise their hand. If he wants them to shout amen, they're going to shout amen. If they want them to approach this sister or this brother over here and tell them I'm sorry or take them down and I want to just help you pray, I am so glad that we have a church that responds. But if you're hearing this tonight and you're feeling a little bit of a tug and a little bit of conviction since the last time you actually let the Holy Spirit move, we need to start checking why that is. We need to start digging a little bit deeper. What are we carrying? What are we holding on to? What are we not willing to let go so we can let the Holy Spirit move through us again? I have been lucky to preach at a lot of places recently. And this sticks out in my mind when I start talking about this. I was preaching this church, and man, I was going up for it, and I was sitting. I always sit on the front row on the right side. And man, nobody better sit in that spot when I'm preaching somewhere. I'm going to be upset. It's my assigned seat every other church, right? Okay, so I go up to sit, and this brother's here, and he's the one that leads the music for this church. And the church service is about to start, and man, I just did the whole cliche, you know, how are you doing? And you know how those are, right? How you doing? You, you just automatically expect the answer back, right? So you're not even hardly listening. So I mean, I'm like, oh, yeah, nice to see you. How are you doing? Man, this brother just instantly just, it was no smile. He instantly stopped me, and he was just like, I'm not doing good. I said, hold on, not ready for this. Wait a minute. I mean, I just got here, y'all. And I'm just like, okay, 
And he just started opening up. And, and we're about 10 minutes before the service starts. And I'm like, we're doing this right now. Okay. So I sat down with him and we're sitting here talking. And he's talking, he's opening up with me. And I was like, what's going on? Because I'm used to seeing this brother. I've been at this church quite a few times. And again, he gets up and leads the music. And we have a good relationship and we get along great. And this was not the norm for him. And he said, man, I am just down this week. I, I, I was going to take my mom. She's got Alzheimer's. And, and we, I was going to take her. My cousin's getting married. And I wanted to take her to Pittsburgh. And I was going to check her out. She's in a nursing home right now. And I just had these views of grandeur. It was going to be such a good weekend. She's finally going to get a weekend away from the nursing home. She's going to get to see family. I just thought it would be good for her. So he says they get out halfway to Pittsburgh. They stop at a hotel for the night. He said, everything is going fine. He's like, this was just on Friday, so it was only a couple days away, so it was still so fresh to him. And obviously, as you guys know, anybody that has that disgusting disease, you know exactly where this is going. He said at about 2.30 in the morning, she wakes up in this hotel, and she is screaming. And she, is, she has no idea where she is. She has no idea who he is, even though it's her son. She is just flipping out, just waking everybody up. Man, I was getting so sweaty and stressed just hearing him talk about this. I was like, oh man, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Mama, you're getting a bus home. Sorry, I ain't dealing with that. Uh-uh. <laughs> so he's sitting here and he's opening up to me and he said, man, they were about, he said, they called the authorities and I'm telling the desk like this. And I, he was like, I had to hurry up and just, he's like, I hurried up and packed everything up. She's still screaming. And about two hours later, she finally calmed down and she knew who I was. Man, we got back in our car. I took my tail between my legs and we just went back home. He's like, it was such a discouraging week. He said, what are you getting at, Robbie? We sat there and we prayed, and I said, man, I'm going to pray for you about this because I know that that sounds stressful and that sounds terrible. I'm just hoping that we could still worship them this morning. I'm glad you still came to church this morning because I know a lot of people that would go through that situation, they need a few days just to get, get back to reality. Let me tell you something. This brother got up. He's leading the very first song. He is singing, come now found, and he gets that third verse, third verse, oh grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be, let thy goodness like a fetter, by my wandering heart to thee. He could not finish the rest of that verse. He started getting tears, started running down his eyes. He started getting emotional. He started raising his hand. He started hooping and hollering for the Lord. And let me tell you something. He said, what are you getting at, Robbie? We need to have a relationship with Christ that it doesn't mean that everything is going to go perfect, and it doesn't mean that we're going to always be in a good spot spiritually. But man, we should be able to come into a church house, give it to God as soon as we get there, so that way we can do what really matters, and that's worshiping Him, that's praising Him, that's getting with brothers and sisters, and coming on this altar, and laying down burdens, and laying down trials, or whatever it is we're going through. Man, can we be more like that when we come to the church house, or are we going to respond differently? Is it going to be about me, 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 all about what I'm I'm in and the rut that I'm in. Man, that encouraged me. What is our response going to be when things get delayed? When our prayers, things that we've been praying for for so long, whether it be a loved one, healing, getting away from temptation, whatever it may be, when that seems to be delayed on your timeline, what is our response going to be? Let's continue with the response. In 35 and 36, as we keep going down in Scripture, And while he yet spake, 
there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. How do we respond when not only we have to face our ego and our pride and face the people around us that might not agree with it? Or how are we going to respond when everything is delayed and our prayers aren't being answered? But this next point, how do we respond when the situation actually gets worse? I don't know if you all have been there in those situations where you've been praying for something for so long and you feel like God's not listening and you're getting to the breaking point and then the unimaginable happens and the situation actually gets worse. I have been there. I have been in those prayer closets praying to God so earnestly about someone or something for so long and then obviously it takes a turn for the worse that I would not want to happen. But what is so beautiful about this portion of Scripture is when, when you finally get to, you already thought you were as low as you could be. You already thought things couldn't get worse, and they finally do, and you're finally hit bottom. But Christ comes along, and you thought he wasn't listening, and you thought he wasn't hearing your prayers about your daddy. You thought he wasn't hearing your prayers about your brother or your sister who is just out in sin. You thought he did not hear your prayers when it came to healing for your mama. But man, you finally just get down in that low place, and you have literally hit rock bottom. And Jesus finally comes along and gives you the words that you've been praying for for so long. And he says, do not be afraid, just believe. You have seen it firsthand what's happened the last couple of weeks with the Dewey family. That is a prime example that we have used over and over and over again. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But you have seen that situation to where you can't imagine it getting any worse. And that tragedy happens and it's terrible. But they are still willing to come into the church house on a Sunday morning and raise their hands to God and give him praise and give him glory and actually be thankful. That should convict some folks in here this evening. When all we're thinking about is leaving here and going over there and having festivities or going home to go to sleep to prepare for a work week, can we just pause and actually bring it back to what we're going through spiritually deep down that no one else knows about and we don't want to address it this evening? Robbie, I hear what you're saying. I got something, it's hitting on me. I'm convicted about it. It's something I gotta bring to the Lord that I've been fighting with for a while, but it just ain't happening tonight because I'm tired. And I wanna go home. Or maybe you haven't even hit rock bottom yet. Maybe God's not answering your prayers, but it doesn't even feel like he's speaking to you. Have faith in knowing that when you need a word from God, he will deliver it to you. When you need picked up from God, he will bring you the deliverance, the healing, the strength, the peace that you need when you actually need it. Because what we're going to learn as we go on here, we're serving a God 
that sees beyond our vision. He sees beyond our thoughts, and he knows what you're going to face. But how many of us have the patience when everything is delayed or have the perseverance to keep on when things get worse? But as we go on, 41 through 43. <clears throat> mm. Actually, no, I'm going to hit 38 and 39. I can't pass by it. And he come into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and see the tumult. And them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Mm. Let me tell you something right now. Not only is he giving the words of encouragement to Jairus when he needs it, because he sees and he knows what's about to happen, even though everyone around him can't see it, they laugh at him, they scorn him. He is simply telling y'all, you don't know what you can see right now. I can see something great. I see a miracle already happening. It's already going to take place. And she is just sleeping. They laughed and they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth into where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitokume, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Listen, I'm about done. Daryl and Derek can go ahead and come up before I turn it over to Mike here in a minute. But something that sticks out to me here, not only was he getting the encouragement that he finally yearned for and a word from Christ, but man, something stuck out to me here in Scripture, and I hope it means as much to you that it does to me. When it talks about this little girl and this damsel, and when she finally did arise, it says, for she was the age of 12 years. When I read that, 12 years stuck out to me because we've already saw that in the passage before. Let me read that in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood, 12 years. You say, Robbie, what are you getting at? I'm saying that scripture is so beautiful in showing us here that there are two different circumstances going on. This lady dealt with it for 12 years, had a completely different life and a completely different experience in life than this little girl. For 12 years of this little girl's life, she probably had privilege. Her father was a ruler of one of the synagogues. He was one of the rulers. He was high up in the community. She was probably privileged. She had some things going on for her. Meanwhile, this lady over here is dealing with an issue of blood for 12 years. And it already told us in scripture that she tried every physician. She tried everything that she possibly could and nothing was helping her. And she just had a really rough time. You say, what are you getting at, Robbie? I'm saying that scripture is so beautiful in telling us that it does not matter who walks through those doors and it doesn't matter if you are someone that has walked into the church house for the very first time and have never heard Christ and you had an abusive father or an abusive mother or you and a really alcoholic father or you had a terrible childhood growing up and maybe you don't know anything about Jesus, you know nothing about the Bible, but I'm here to tell you, you can still get deliverance this evening because it also doesn't matter if you might be someone that's been faking it for a long time. 
someone that's been going to church, someone that's had the 12 years of privilege like the little girl, and they've been, they've been experiencing Jesus and experienced the Holy Spirit move in a service like this morning, but they still need deliverance the same. The fact that two different people can have two different experiences in life, but still come to the same Jesus and get deliverance. We need to praise God about that that it doesn't matter about our past and it doesn't matter about what we're going through this evening and what we carried into these walls. But if there is deliverance that needs to be had, I pray that we would respond. About all the responses that Jerry has had, Jerry has had a response to his pride. Jerry has had a response to the people around him. Jesus, Jerry has had to respond in those situations. Jarius had to respond when his prayers were delayed. Jarius had to respond when things get worse. But now we're going to have a short little bit of time here to have the opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do this evening. I don't know what it is. I don't know what we're fighting with. I don't know what your story is. But this is the evening and the time to get deliverance. Mike. We want you to come. You need to uh, ask the Lord into your heart. Three people, Mark chapter 5, three desperate people, they all needed Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, use this time of invitation this evening. If there's a heart here that needs to respond and come and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to start a faith walk with you, start a new life in Christ. Dear Lord, these people in Mark chapter 5 are extreme situations. I hope that no one's life in here has to get to that extreme place before they call upon the name of the Lord. Dear God, let us heed the warning of Scripture this evening. Let us be ready to respond. And if we need to come, let us come this evening. In your name we pray, amen. What shall we sing, Daryl? deep the Father's love for us How best beyond all men that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call 
It was my sin.